Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share lessons and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Thomas, and I'm joined today by Mallory Henderlong. How are you doing today? Good, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining. So how we know each other, I forgot when we technically first met, but I think you were helping out with beach volleyball one day. Um, Mallory is a strength and conditioning graduate assistant at TCU, and yeah, I think it was beach, or I was in the weight room for some reason, and then we kind of crossed paths, and um, whenever I was in the in the facilities and we were conditioned, you'd come help. We, we would chat a little bit, so I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed <laughs> our chats, your Instagram, <laughs> your TikTok, and everything in between, so for, the, for those that are not familiar, would you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, so like Matt said, I am currently a GA at TCU in the Strength and Conditioning Department. I just started in January, but a little background of just my upbringing in athletics and kind of how I got to where I'm at. Um, I always grew up in sports, loved sports, played soccer growing up. I ended up having a pretty successful time in high school, led me to play college soccer at Eastern Illinois, which was a mid-sized Division I school, and I learned really quickly that just because a school is Division I doesn't mean their athletic programs are top tier. So I ended up transferring to a small Christian university in Michigan called Spring Arbor, a school I had never heard of before, and many people haven't. Um, but transferred there mostly because of soccer, really was just trying to find a competitive caliber team and people who were reaching for success on the field, but also in life. And I found that at Spring Arbor. Um, my first season, I think, I know, sad, maybe I remember I, all these stats. I think we went 24-1-1 one and, one, um, and we won a national championship. So not to brag or anything, but I think I share that just for any like young listeners who maybe were like in my position. I don't know if we have high school listeners on here in sports, but I was just looking to be on a competitive team and people, like I said earlier, lo looking to chase success like in life and on the field and just to be in that environment in a big division one school isn't always the answer. And sadly, I learned that the hard way and maybe someone can learn from me in that situation. Um, but at Spring Arbor, we were not blessed with a beautiful weight room. I think we had two squat racks, some rusty old dumbbells and most definitely not a strength conditioning coach so I kind of went from a mid-sized division one program where I had a strength coach someone kind of guiding me through how to take care of my body like off the field and how to prepare for a game coming up or recover from a game um, but I did go to a sports performance gym back home so I kind of knew some things from years there so basically coached my way through my experience at my small school and I, looking back, I most definitely had no idea, idea what I was doing with my minimal knowledge. I would bring my, my, not my athletes, my teammates along with me to the weight room. I was teaching them how to power clean. I had no idea how to teach someone how to power clean. So I'm sure the people watching thought it was really comical. And what is this girl doing having these athletes throw these weights around? Like, not in a good manner at all. Um. I didn't play soccer my senior year due to a bunch of concussions and mental health issues, just something I'll touch on later because I think that's really important because we see nowadays that I think it's one in four college athletes experience anxiety and depression. And just as a former athlete, I had no idea about that. And I tried to 
really consider that and think about that as I'm interacting with my athletes now. So I started to explore the world of strength conditioning really more and was becoming super obsessive about working out and still helping my former teammates work out and maximize their genetic potential in the field. So it led me to apply for like 15 to 20 internships for the summer of 2019. I think TCU was the last on my list, literally dead last. I was like, oh, like gonna stay in the Midwest from Indiana, you know, stay around my family and my boyfriend for the summer. And God led me to TCU and led me to Fort Worth in the summer of 2019. And I learned to love strength and conditioning so much. I was hungry to learn. I was the first one to the weight room every single morning. If it meant I was being the other interns to putting or organizing the football cards um, with their program on it, I was going to be there at five in the morning doing that. I was just so excited about the experience in general. And after that, well, my story's long. Um, but after that, I went back to finish my last year of undergrad at Spring Arbor. I had the opportunity to work with our baseball team there. Um, our coach there was a big Zach Dakin fan, knew I had worked with Dakin in the weight room in the summer, and he gave me the opportunity to just take on full control of his baseball team and trusted me with that. So that's a super cool experience that I'll talk about. And then I started applying for GA positions, emailed a bunch of schools, saw that TCU had an opening. One of the GAs I got to know in the summer got a job and instantly I called Coach Summer and asked him for the job and we're asked him for this position. And, you know, we texted back and forth and here I am. I get to work with cross country, uh, assist with women's soccer and help with football, which is a pretty cool experience, especially as a female strength coach. So, yeah. yeah. That's sweet. Long background, but there we go. Yeah, no, it's it's all part of the story, and it's all important. And each have their own their own role as as big or small as they might be. And um, and funny story, really quick. It is pronounced Dakin. If anyone listening ever gets a chance to meet him, don't say Dechant, <laughs> which <laughs> someone might have. Um, but his last name is pronounced Dakin. If you guys know who that is, but uh, I feel like that's why we get along because we're both Midwesterners. And that's one thing that I didn't realize, like going to school at TCU, that like there is a difference between like Midwesterners and Southern people that like, I can't explain, but it, it just is, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't know that you played at Eastern Illinois. So that's, that's super cool. Um, yeah, and I didn't know that you were a national champion. Just trying to casually throw that in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just casual. I, I totally, I totally echo that. And I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll give myself a, a little plug. I went to the D2 world series my freshman year and and was your, your school's D2? NAIA. NAIA. So, like, I played against a lot of guys that got drafted, like, at the World Series, but also just in my in my conference and everything. And, like, there is really good competition, not in D1. And that's one thing that people have to understand. Like, if you're good enough, you'll play at the next level, I believe. And would you rather – you know, it's one thing to go to, like, an actually bad small school, but you can go to – a competitive NAIA school play be competitive and and have the opportunity to get some hardware or would you rather go to a big time D1 school say you went there and then like play half of your junior year and like most of your senior year you know I was fortunate enough I walked on but I played after my retro was lifted like halfway through my freshman year I played for like three and a half full seasons you know and and you played for two years at Spring Arbor sophomore Correct. junior year. 
you know, but like yeah. you got so much more out of that as opposed to one year at, at Eastern. So um, if anyone is, is in the recruiting process, I think that that's a definitely important lesson. Um, and I'm excited to, to hear about how you kind of parlayed your strength and conditioning job at, at Spring Arbor and how that kind of came to be um, whenever that comes up. But so what's the coolest story you have thus far? We'll get into it. Um, I think my coolest story when I was like sitting knowing this question was maybe going to come that um, my job as a strength coach is so much more than just a strength coach. It's really about being a life coach for my athletes. And I try to think about that each day as my athletes enter the weight room. And it kind of goes back to the point I made about mental health and mental health and athletes. And this is a topic that really is arising and will continue to arise and be the forefront of conversation in many athletic departments. Um, I had an athlete who it was about, I think I started having this problem week one or two of coaching at TCU, an athlete that just would not show up to weights, would text me 20 minutes before weights and be like, I'm not going to be there today, would say, oh, I'm coming in tomorrow at this time, wouldn't show up tomorrow. And I was, I was infuriated. I was absolutely astonished that how is weights optional? Like when did practice become optional, especially at the level that we're competing and the caliber of teams we're trying to produce and like our culture. I kept thinking like, what is the culture of this team? Like, what have I gotten myself into? Like, I'm going to have my hands full with this one. Um, and so this kind of became a normal thing for the first two weeks. And I was asking the team like, Oh, is so-and-so going to be at weights today? And they're like, Oh, that's normal. And I just sit back and think, okay, like, obviously, this was a behavior that over time, someone allowed before me, but I was going to stop in its tracks. So one day when the athlete came in to make up the lift that they decided they weren't going to come to the day, day before, I decided to have a different mentality about it. Like, how was I going to approach them? Like, maybe they're going through something different in life, like a hard time. And the athlete started expressing how they're just not sleeping at night. And we got on the topic of mental health. And I just remember they whis they whispered to me, like, Oh, like, well, I, like I take antidepressants and I'm like, okay, like I've been there. I was that athlete. I struggled with anxiety and depression. Like you are not alone in this struggle. And that's what I took, what, what I took away from that conversation is that my job is more than a strength coach. And that athlete and I had to have this, got to have this real life, deep conversation that day about like the struggles that we both have faced in life. Um, but also I had to address that weights isn't optional and that when these things are happening in life, like just make me aware and we can work through them together. And I wanted to be the coach that I never had when I was that athlete. I had coaches that just told me like, that's part of life, figure it out. And I recognized I didn't want to be that coach. And if I was that coach, this athlete probably wouldn't, would probably would continue to go off the same path of not wanting to show up or choosing not to show up. And since that day, I had a conversation with that athlete. The next day they were there at weights, hungry, ready to learn, never missed weights again. Um, and probably became one of my best athletes and most hardworking athletes. And I think that was just a really cool transformation to see that real life experience um, produce like a great bond between the athlete and I. It became more than just, oh, I'm your coach that teaches you how to move your body well. It became, oh, I'm your coach that you can come to for real life advice and real life problems. And we'll face those head on together. 
it is it is so much more than coaching and and there's a few things i want to i want to like pull out of there first it's all about how you go about stuff you know imagine if if the strength coach just went in oh who do you think you are you're better than everyone else on the team like you get to go do what you want da, da, da. like that athlete is immediately going to shut off you know but if you go into it open you explain why it's important you ask where they're coming from and stuff like that you know you're fortunate enough to where they opened up and that was a point where you could connect with them you know and i don't know if like vulnerability is a buzzword but you were able to open up and share some of your own experiences you know not that um necessarily has to be the exact same experience in this case it was but if you share similar struggles and how you overcame them uh it's one thing to like put the, yourself as a coach on this one pedestal um but to show that you're more similar than you are dissimilar that's going to go a super long way with your athletes that i found um even coaching in the private field with the younger athletes like if you can find any points to kind of connect that's going to go a super long way with them um and then the last thing is that uh, that's one of the, the big things that I enjoy about college athletics is because it's super competitive and they're still young enough to where they're growing as individuals, but you're not like babysitting high schoolers and they're not like total prima donnas, like pro athletes. So that's, sometimes. that's a, sometimes so depending <laughs> on the, on the sport, but, um, one, there's definitely one thing to consider in strength and conditioning, like everything has pros and cons. They're all different and unique to, to, that population but that's one of the the awesome opportunities for college athletics if anyone's trying to figure out kind of what field they want to go um yeah so that's a super cool story for your coolest story um what's the story most fundamental um i think the story or experience most fundamental was working with the baseball team at yeah, spring arbor um it was one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences all in one so think I was in my last semester of undergrad, these guys on the baseball team were some of my best friends, like the people I hang out with during the week, I have classes with, on the weekends I hung out with, like I went out to eat with, like I knew more about them personally than their athletic success. Um, how did, how did it all Markin, start? With the so before I left from my internship at TCU, before I went there, the baseball coach found out I was going there and he's like, oh my gosh, like you're going to TCU, like we want you to like program for us. So I thought, okay, like I'm gonna write up some programs for them and give them to them. And I wasn't gonna be that involved initially, but then I was like, you know what? Like this is a great learning experience and great experience leading into a graduate assistant position, like coaching experience just getting, getting in there and throwing me in the fire and being uncomfortable and being vulnerable and being adaptable. Um, cause those are all things I learned, but, um, so then it was full blown. I here's, I am your strength coach. I'm also your best friend, but we're going to make this work. Um, so coach Mark at SAU gave me the ability to just full blown take over the strength program. He trusted in me, whatever I said was what we were doing. So that was pretty cool. Um, I was really worried about how the semester would go. Um, I thought, okay, these guys are probably going to walk all over me because they are my friends before I was their coach. Like they called me coach Mal sometimes only in the weight room though. Um, I had to lay down the law very early. Like here are my rules. Um, you're not going to break them. And if you do break them, there will be consequences. And I don't really 
have any physical consequences with my athletes now, but with these guys, I was like, all right, I have to be firm in what I say, or they're just gonna walk all over me. So I had this rule of every minute someone is late, you have 10 up downs. And I'll get to that story later, but just remember the 10 up downs. So that was one of my rules. We had like no phones in the weight room. We had no sitting down in the weight room. Um, so after spending the summer learning from Dakin, I basically mimicked his four week foundational program that he puts his uh, baseball freshmen through or transfers through in the summer and threw it at the guys. So remember we weren't blessed with a great weight room, two squat racks, some dingy dumbbells, some treadmills. That was about it. So these guys learned really quick that we were going to have to get creative and I had to become adaptable. And I think they were very unsure at first because all I had them doing was front squatting the bar, no other weight. We were learning how to hip hinge all on the only pushing we did was a push up um, for a pool. All we did was inverted rows and we did wise T's and external rotation. We hounded those things home for four weeks, just like Dakin does in his foundation program and the ISO series. So a front plank, a side plank, uh, ISO lunge and the ISO glute bridge became my best friend because with only two squat racks, having athlete, 40 guys in a weight room, the amount of people that would be standing around was just crazy. Um, so we had hounded that home, the A skip series, like the A march, A skip, um, became their best friend. They ate, slept, sleep and breathe that because their arm drive was astonishing. We didn't know how to sprint at all. Um, getting an athletic position was hard. So um, I think that experience, just having to adapt and having such a small weight room with minimal equipment has made me a much better coach. Like I think that experience was a blessing for me. Like I love being at TCU and having all the equipment in the world, but my experience at Spring Arbor definitely is going to be one of my favorite experiences for the rest of my life and will be truly what has shaped me into being a great coach and prepared me for my experience at TCU because sometimes the weight room does get uh, busy and equipment is limited and you're limited on squat racks when every team is in there lifting. So it's really helped me adapt on the fly and think of different solutions of what we could be doing. And, and that was all, but yeah. And, and about the adaptability things we were talking about earlier about like what makes it a good coach. I'll never forget. It was my internship at TC boost back home. And we were like starting to practice programming. And my, my mentor gave me like three paragraphs of like potential clients and like basically the one that was the most like healthy and everything was like a high school hockey player. But there was one that was like NFL prospect. He's got bum wrists. He can't really power clean his back kind of bothers him and his knee kind of bothers him as well. Da, da, da. And I'm like, Steve, like, why would I pick that one? He's like, dude, that's what, like most of our clients are like, and that kind of hit me where it's like the amount of times you're going to have optimal equipment, optimal athletes, like optimal time and all of this stuff is a fraction of the time for sure. Like you're always going to have something to kind of overcome, whether it's consistent, like, like the amount of equipment you have, or if it's every now and again, another team is going to pop in and stuff like that. But I can only imagine what, what that was like. Um, and if I remember you telling me the story correctly, it kind of all started when you babysat for the coach, right?
Yeah. And then Well, I babysit to... for him too. Yeah. And uh and he just knew that you were kind of going on this path and just started talking to you about it. And because he was comfortable with you, then he was open enough to kind of ask you to take over. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah. I mean, my boyfriend had played baseball too. So I kind of grew up, not grew up, but I was around the team a lot and I had gotten to know the coach and he knew he would see me in the weight room and knew I was passionate about what I was doing. And so it was really cool that he trusted in me and that team, that team is a group of guys that I will always like hold close to my heart. And they really, I think of them as my first athletes. And I'm like, I love you guys. I was getting sentimental the other day and I was sending them an email because I still program for them and send them videos and try to help them from a distance. So, so just to bring a full circle, like how fundamental that experience, that whole experience was from top to bottom. And it all started with like babysitting if, if we want to call it that, you know, and you never know where some stuff could possibly take you. Did you lose me? No, we're good. Um, yeah, I lost you. So I, all I heard was fundamental. How, how fundamental, like just babysitting for a coach could possibly turn into, you know, not that everyone you help out or everyone that, um, that comes, you know, into your life is going to turn into some awesome experience that sets you on the path forever, but it's definitely a possibility. So if you do your thing, you're authentic, you know how to walk the walk, you need, you can also talk the talk, like a lot of stuff can happen. Um, so I, I really enjoyed hearing that story the first time and also the, the second time when we get to share it with some other people. Um, so what is the story you're most proud of? And I think this is the one I'm looking forward to. Well, that comes with a story, but I guess okay. <laughs> for, I'll tell the real story and then I'll tell the funny one after. Right. Um, but I think I'm most proud of my experience with the Spring Arbor baseball team. And just, I remember day one, I had them get an athletic position. I looked around and I was like, oh boy, like, this is like going back to what you said, like a minute ago about optimal athletes. These were not optimal athletes. Sorry guys, if you're listening, <laughs> but you guys are not optimal athletes at all. A lot of these guys had never had a strength coach in their lives. Like, you know, we're just throwing around weight in the weight room to look good, like getting the extra bicep curls in. Um, so I was just like, oh gosh, like what am I getting myself into? And just in the matter of four months, watching those guys go from some of the worst movers to these exceptional movers and watching that um, transition over onto the field. I remember I would go to baseball practice because I was just so excited about being involved with the team and seeing if people, the things we were doing in the weight room really, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like rolled over and yeah. yeah, transferred, transferred, not rolled over. Transfer would be a better word onto the field. And I would, one day I was watching and they were like sprinting from home plate to first um, and I just was taking videos of people sprinting. I would slow down, watch their arm drive. Like, okay, it's the A skip series that we do every morning. And I hound into their brains before practice and before lift working. And I would just sit there and I was like, okay, it's working. Like I had taken videos of them earlier in the year when maybe we had just started it and later in the year. And I was like, this is exciting. And the guys were seeing it working and they get excited and they still text me and get excited about things. So that's what I'm most proud of, but into my, like, my funny story, going back to the up downs that um, I put in place, it was, I think the first or second week into 
weights and I had them getting up early. We were starting at like 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. And I mean, we didn't have a weight room for just athletes. So the general public was going to be in the weight room. Everyone else on campus was going to be in the weight room if we went any other time of the day. And those two squat racks were going to be gone. So we were getting in and getting our work done. And some of the guys obviously didn't take me very seriously when I said that every minute late, you're going to have 10 up downs because one day I think we had 100, 150 up downs, I think. And I, we didn't have time to do them after we lifted. So I came and we did them after practice. And the one kid, we're like 25 in, he's, he has tears going down his face and is telling me he'll do other ones. He'll, if, if I just let him, will he, can he just do them tomorrow? He promises to do good ones. And I remember just laughing to myself and enjoying that moment. But it's so cool because now he is such a hard worker and I've watched him like grind through really hard workouts and just grind through practice and really shape into a great athlete and a hardworking person. And that goes for all those guys. Like I've watched them change the culture of their team um, in the weight room and take that onto the field and just encouraging one another and uplifting one another and people forming into great leaders. And that's really what excites me the most. And, and with the, the up-down story, kind of to bring it back to just starting with the whole team and everything, about the importance of setting kind of the expectations, where at the end of the day, like, we're here to get you guys better, and there's certain things that I have to do or not do in order to help facilitate that. And then once that's out of the way, then, you know, we can have fun, we can do an arm farm day and whatever, but it's one thing to, like, just spur on up downs kind of oh you're late I guess we're gonna do up downs but from the from day one that's that was the policy you know and, and I think um my brother my twin brother he's a middle school teacher and that's one thing that that he talked about um when I had him on was was your job is to make your rules tell it to them and then like not you don't have to repeat it every single day you know there's certain things that they're responsible for but if it's very clear they know what the expectations are and they know what to expect, then you can kind of build everything um, onto that. And, and I don't know if, if I would have been able to do that. Cause that's one thing that, that I would assume most young coaches are kind of afraid of is like when it comes time to punish. And I think if I were to ever have a team, I would just make them just, you don't get to lift today. You're not going to show up on time. You won't get to lift, but like getting onto athletes and kind of being hard on them, um, even just like as a sports scientist when they wouldn't fill out their stuff, but, uh, hopefully none of them are listening to this, but it's like, how do you get on them respectfully? You don't want to lose them as athletes, but at the end of the day, like they have to do their stuff. So that's something I've wrestled with. Um, and that's something that, that you kind of have experience with, but I think that's super important to like kind of learn how to navigate a situation like that. Um, if you've figured out any like tips or tricks for the people, AKA myself, on how to like handle those situations. I think some days I was, cause we did up downs more than one day, but they learned very quickly that it wasn't fun. So, and if one person missed, the whole team was doing it or we end up splitting up in groups. So the whole group that was, the person missed for, they were doing it. So people started holding one another accountable. Like I was like, get your teammates out of bed in the morning and drag them here and make sure they're here on time. Um, but I kind of struggled some days with, I wanted to be lenient and be like, oh, like 
Okay. We don't have to do the 20 up downs, but I'm like, I set that rule and I am staying firm in that rule. And I'm not really one for physical punishment, but I watch those guys grind for each other and grind out those up downs and just come alongside one another and really push each other to finish them because a lot of them struggled sometimes. But with, no, I need to backtrack what I was saying, what I was thinking. Sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> with coming alongside of athletes and encouraging them and holding them accountable, I've just found like being real, being a life coach, being more than just someone who is an authority figure, figure. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and if, if they understand that that's the expectation, it was set out as part of the process. It's not the end of the world. We're going to get after it tomorrow. Like previous to how you addressed uh, your athlete in your first story, like it's all about how you go about it. Like I'm a big believer. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Not to make that cliche, but I think if people were more intentional about how they handle stuff like that, it would go a lot better than them as opposed to kind of just hopping in and just saying kind of the first thing that comes to their mind um, and how beneficial, um, just take, taking a step back, like really kind of thinking and then going from there would, would benefit them. Cause I've definitely, uh, not going to tell the story cause that's super embarrassing. But um, one time I kind of snapped and they're not like mean snap, but kind of just like he was being sassy and I was sassy back. Um, and and it didn't go the best you know and if I would have just realized like he's just trying to be cool whatever just ignore it you know um so you learn from experience but I think that that's super important um whether it's something serious like why they're not showing up or something like um involving you know punishment or getting out to them just being intentional on how you go about it if I had to sum it up um so those are your three stories uh, we got two more questions, but is there anything else you kind of prepared or, or wanted to touch on before we get into the last two questions? No, I guess I just got a thought about being intentional. Um, I try to remember this every day when I go to work, just about making each interaction with my athletes intentional and in that, you know, I expect the best out of my athletes day in and day out, and they should expect the same out of me. Like if I'm having a bad day, I shouldn't let that show in the weight room because I need to give them the best of me to help prepare them. And I ask them to shake those things off or, okay, let's talk about them and let's be intentional in what we're doing today. So intentionality really matters a lot. And, and I like how you said you can't expect it of your athletes if, if they don't expect it of you, or if you don't expect it of yourself. And on the last episode of TSP, I interviewed the women's tennis coaches. If you've had a chance to meet them, uh, but one of my favorite stories was it was like the first cold day of the fall. And, you know, the girls were kind of just, oh, it's so cold, all this stuff. And this coach comes out, guns blazing. He's all excited. He's like hitting tennis balls out of the out of the facility, you know, just like skying these tennis balls. And I was like, dude, like, like, where did that come from? You know, he's like, I can't expect them to be excited and have a good practice if if I'm not the same way. You know, he's like, I'm probably going to sleep a little better tonight after expending all that energy. But then the team had a great practice that day, you know? So not that people necessarily have to start hitting tennis balls all, all over the place. Um, but, you know, if if you expect them to be on time, then you have to routinely be earlier than them and stuff like that. And um, if it's energy related, then, then the same thing goes. But um, it's definitely a two-way street. And if you, if you 
express that. Like one thing I like saying to my athletes is that, is that there's a responsibility I have to be on time, to be focused, to have my program ready, et cetera, et cetera. But also they have a responsibility to show up on time, be ready to go. And if you just explain that it's more of a two-way street, if, if I had to put a phrase to it, that's going to go a super long way as opposed to like them just getting coached at or yelled at for an hour, you know? So um, being relatable, vulnerable, whatever we want to call it, but that, you know, it really is a two-way street and there's, there's stuff that, that you as a coach are trying to, to emulate for them and also you're trying to get out of them. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that was a, a good little, little sum up. Uh, so what, what are one to three things that the listener can do tomorrow to become better? So I do this thing in the morning. I write, I'm a big journal girl. So I write in the journal. I call it Mal's Big Three. My boyfriend calls it Big Mal's Big Three. So maybe that's the one way you'll remember it. But I just write down like three things I want to accomplish for the day. Um, and that really just hold, holds me accountable to doing those things and getting those things done. Some, day it's, some days it's calling a friend. Some days it's having a real life conversation with the athlete. Other days it's just getting my homework done or going for a walk, having a great workout. Um, I've just found that that really helps me like stay on track and know what I like need to get done for the day. Or maybe something that I have been putting off that, okay, today's the day I'm doing this. Yeah, it, two episodes ago when I interviewed Brittany, used to be little, but now it's Whirly. Um, I have a lot of really smart friends because you guys all say similar stuff. So she said, just like focusing on one thing at a time, especially with coaching, if you're aware enough to where you know what you can do better, you have to use external cues, but not too many cues. You have to focus on your body language. You have to set up the stations beforehand and all of this stuff. And it can get kind of overwhelming, at least when I was starting out coaching, like all the stuff my mentor was telling me, plus I knew I had to get better at it and da, da, da. And it's just like kind of overload when I was coaching, let alone actually coaching in and of itself. But imagine if like just for a week you dedicated, all right, I'm just going to be cognizant of my body language. And you focus on that one thing for a whole week, as opposed to trying to focus on four things in one day, you know? So, so to bring that into your example, like if you put it in writing, you can track it over time. You can see if you accomplished it. You can hold yourself accountable. Um, you can give feedback on if you did it or, or, or if you didn't do it and stuff like that. So I think that's super important to be intentional about what you want to work on each day. Um, so it'll be big insert listener's name, big three or big one or whatever they feel is most appropriate. So I think, they, I think that that was a, a very good actionable thing because we're, we're all about action here. We like the theoretical and the philosophical at TSP, but uh, you know, we're, we're here to get better. So um, is that all for that question? No, I have two more. Sweet. So. Sweet. I don't, <laughs> the I don't, next they one. Jump again. <laughs> the next one is something I also do every morning and every night. And that's five minutes of mobility in the morning and five minutes of flexibility before I got out of bed. And I started this when I started my GA position because I was up on my feet all day. So maybe someone else like myself, who's a coach or just someone who's on their feet all day. I found myself going to bed like super sore. My legs were heavy. I'd wake up in the morning. I'd be super tight. So I'm like, okay, I'm committing these five minutes. And some days it turns into 30 minutes of mobility. Um, and just really priming my body for the day. And I think initially I was like, okay, 
and be in the weight room picking up weights um, and squat. I'm spotting athletes who are squatting or doing different movements. And I have to get down pretty low. And if my body isn't primed and ready, like who knows what type of crazy random injury I could have, could get. So that was initially my thought behind it. But really, I'm, I just feel so much better when I am up and ready to go for the day. And then before I go to bed, I do five minutes of flexibility and just really helps my body relax, my mind relax after a really long, stressful day and helps me get better sleep. And I'm always preaching to my athletes that, about how important sleep is and that it's going to help your body recover and prepare you for the day ahead. So that's one other thing I do. Yeah, I should probably probably hop on that train. But being on your feet all day is definitely a lot more tiring than than you would think. And my ankles are absolute garbage. Like, I think my active dorsiflexion is like one degree, if that. But I actually got super bad Achilles tendinosis. People would call it tendinitis, but it's actually tendinosis, if you know what itis and osis is. Got that from Eric Cressy. But because I would be demoing these like hurdle hop drills four times a day with no warm up, you know, and, and all of this stuff. I'm like, why do you like literally the whole summer, my Achilles bothered me. Um, so it's definitely a lot more challenging than people think. So finding ways to take care of yourself, because if you don't have the best, you know, body, the best state to give to your athletes, then they're not going to get the best of you. So um, I'm always preaching mobility with my athletes and like priming our bodies to work out. Um, and, and again, like if I'm not doing that, then how do I expect them to do that? And I also I just recently posted on my Instagram, a video of me front squatting in my driveway. And I used to struggle to get to 90 degrees and then get up out of the hole and front squatting. And not that just my mobility has helped me with that, but it's helped me tremendous, tremendously. And that's why sometimes it turns into 30 minutes in the morning because I'm like, okay, my ankles, like I need to work on my ankle mobility today. Like my thoracic spine, like that really is where I'm feeling tight. Like, and I can get my ass all the way down the grass now when I squat. And I think that the daily mobility has really just helped me with that or has helped me be more conscientious of the positions my body is in. And, and going back to the, the big three, if that's, an intentional part of your day, you'd be so surprised what like a two consistent weeks of, of mobility will do. You know, I've, I've given my, my hips and my ankles uh, a little more TLC than they've gotten in the past just with all this free time. And it's made it, it's definitely made a difference, you know, and, and it's, it's not one of those things where it's like you do mobility one day and you can, you know, drop it. But, you know, I was just like doing bodyweight squats the other day. And I was like, I think this is the like deepest I've ever gone with good form. You know, so it's, it's randomly going to hit you and it's going to feel good when, when you have that mo mobility, but you definitely have to be consistent with it because um, it will pay off. But if it's part of the big three, you can track it, keep yourself accountable. You know, it's a win-win. So um, what's number three? Number three is more like faith-based. So I just said spending time with God and um, I heard something a pastor said once was, my body can hurry, my mind can race, but my soul can't hustle. And that was at the very beginning of my GA position that I heard that at church. And I've just carried it with me and that oftentimes my soul can't keep up with the pace of my life, especially in the coaching realm. And I'm busy all day. I'm moving from one thing to the next. I'm finishing a session, setting up for the next, or I'm reading a book to try to broaden my knowledge. And I'm hurrying through life. And that's a great enemy 
And the devil wants us to forget about God and wants us to forget this plan he has for our life. Um, and it's really hard to walk with God when we're sprinting. That's not the pace that Jesus wants us to go. And we're sprinting through life and we're missing out on relationships and opportunities. And I think that's really helped me just like slow myself down when I'm in a really busy moment being like, okay, let's go back to like God. He's the one that blessed me with these talents and these abilities to be coaching these athletes. And these are the relationships in moments he wants me to be focusing on right now, right here with these people. So that's something I really have found important for my life every single day. Yeah. And, and whatever it may be, faith to something else, something just to center and ground because it can be a super busy and high paced, you know, lifestyle, especially coaching crazy. Like if anyone's never coached, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyways. Um, but having something to kind of center ground, I can't figure out a better word than that, but it's really important because you are going to have those super busy fast days. You are going to have those bad coaching days. You are going to have those days where you needed 27 hours, right? And you only had 24. Um, whatever field is force performance, I would say being in multiple fields, but, um, you know, find whatever works for you. And that, that, um, is going to mean a lot to you and that you can stay consistent with. Um, I think it's definitely going to go a super long way. Um, yeah. Whatever your higher purpose is like always going back to that. And that's the reason why I do this and never losing sight of that. Exactly. Exactly. So with that, I will, I will give you the open floor to where the listeners can find you. Oh you boy. Okay. Plug, plug whatever um, you want. <laughs> you can find me on, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I post on there sometimes. Usually it's pretty professionally based school stuff, um, sports stuff, strength and conditioning stuff. Um, just if you search Mallory Henderlong, you'll find me on there. And then also on Instagram, if you search Mallory Henderlong, I think it's Mallory underscore Henderlong. You'll find me there, and that's just everything of my life thrown together. I have workout stuff, strength and conditioning stuff, my cute dog, my awful TikToks, um, and that's just me, and I try to keep it real. And so, yeah, that's where you can find me. So those will, will be in the show notes if, if people want to get some of your at-home workouts or yes. just, just connect and touch base. So um, be on the lookout for that. And thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt.